Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heme Consults podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Anwemena, and it is a pleasure to be speaking with you today. So I'm going to be talking about avoiding traps. <laughs> And the theme scripture is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15. Now, I want to let you all know that I started another podcast, and it is called The Clinician Researcher, and it's a space where clinicians who want to transition to become clinician researchers can learn strategies to make that transition. So I want to invite you to check it out. You can find it online at cliniciansearcherpodcast.com, and if you want to leave a voicemail, if you listen to, a, to an episode that resonates with you, leave me a voicemail. And on that podcast, I will play your voicemail and, and make a new episode out of it. So, so think about what you want to share and, and just leave a voicemail. And I'm excited to, to see you over there. And thank you for, for at least checking it out at least once. All right. So today I am talking about avoiding traps. <laughs> And before I get started, I just want to say, oh, woman of color in hematology, you are amazing. You have purpose. You have mission. You're here for a reason. It doesn't always feel that way. And sometimes there's a sense that you're just trying to make it. You're just trying to string days together to make it work. And sometimes it feels overwhelming. And sometimes you ask yourself, why are you still here? Why don't I just quit? And I just want to encourage you that you are here for a reason. It's not always clear. And sometimes maybe it seems fuzzy that you are here intentionally. You're here on purpose. You're here because you are supposed to be. And things may not be working out exactly as you imagined that they would. Maybe you just didn't even imagine anything, but whatever you thought, it was not this. I just want to encourage you that everything that's happening in your life is happening for your good. It is happening to serve your purpose. It is happening to help you be everything you're supposed to be. And the things that hurt right now, they're going to turn around and benefit you and benefit others as well. And so I just want to encourage you. And I want to say, don't give up. I want to say, don't be discouraged. This journey is for you. You're the right person for this job. You're the right person for this experience. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that you are being courageous and staying and owning your place and showing up exactly as you are authentically, honestly, truthfully you. Thank you, a woman of color in hematology, for being exactly who you're supposed to be. All right. So today's episode, I'm calling Avoiding Traps. And I will tell you that by the time I go to publish this episode, I'm not even sure that will be the title. 
So if there is a conflict between the title of the episode that you see and <laughs> what I'm saying right now, it's because I'm not yet sure. But it will come together, I think, by the end. So I recently attended a conference. <laughs> I attended a conference and I was there with my family. And I've never been to this place before. This was in Atlanta. And it was hosted at a church. And it was... I had never been to this place before. It seemed to me when I got in the building that, oh, this is kind of small relative to, I think, the number of people who are going to show up. But anyway, it worked out. I don't think there was much difficulty in terms of seating. They did have overflow seating, and that was fine. So the last day of the conference, which was going to be the busiest, busiest day of the conference, historically, I knew it was going to be. I just kept thinking, I was like, I don't think these people have enough seats. Anyway, I got there early <laughs> with my family. We had seats. I was I was good. So this lady comes up to me and she says, um, can you save a seat for me? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I wasn't even thinking about it. And then she sits next to me. She looks in my eyes and she says, will you hold the seat for me? And all of a sudden I'm thinking, hmm, OK, it's just a seat. Sure. And I say, yes. And then she says, Okay, because I'm the lady in charge of, and she tells me what she's in charge of, and I have a job to go do right now, but you will hold the seat for me, right? <laughs> and I began to think something was wrong. But I was like, it's just a seat, okay. And she said, okay. She was now satisfied that I had given her a commitment. And then she was like, you know what? How about I s you save two seats? And <laughs> And with that, she was gone. And I kept thinking, I was like, there's something strange about this. There's something strange about this. But anyway, whatever. I can hold a seat. Okay, so what I didn't know is that the place was going to be super packed and that every seat was going to be needed. And so every so often, the ushers would come to the spot and they would say, um, we need these seats. And I would be like, well, somebody's sitting here. Clearly, there was no one sitting there. I didn't even know what this woman was. I didn't even know who she was. But I was literally guarding these seats because I had given my commitment that I was going to guard the seats. And every so often, I would try to enjoy the conference. And then I'd have to look over to the side because they kept trying to put people in the seats. And at some point, I was fighting with the usher. I was like, no, somebody owns the seats. You cannot put anybody there. And I literally couldn't listen to the conference. I couldn't enjoy anything that was going on because all of a sudden, I was the guardian of these seats. And the lady knew, she knew when she put me in charge of those seats that I was literally going to have to fight. And that's why she sat down and secured a commitment for me before she left. And so there I was fighting with people, person after person, as they kept coming. I kept trying to explain who's sitting there. It was loud. Nobody could really hear me. I mean, it was just frustrating. I couldn't enjoy the conference. I was guarding these seats like my life depended on it. And then two people just came and they ignored me and they just sat there. And I kept telling them, I'm like, but someone's sitting there. And they just ignored me. And I was just angry and I was upset. I was so mad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And eventually they moved. And I was only able to secure one seat. The other seat was taken by another family. And finally, maybe two hours into the whole conference, this woman shows up and she's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know her from Adam. I had no idea who she was. I made a commitment to her 
and all of a sudden I became a monster, a guardian of a seat monster. I don't know those people. I don't belong to the building. I have no idea what they do. But all of a sudden, because she put me in charge of those two seats, and there was this environment of scarcity where every seat was gold, I became a monster, like a troll under the bridge guarding treasure. And I was just surprised to see the transformation in myself. I'm a kind person. I'm very nice. I don't believe in fighting with people over things. I'm like, if you want the seat, take it. Sure, whatever. But there I was. I turned into this incredible, crazy person trying to guard these seats because I had made a commitment that I did not fully understand. Okay, that's my story. It has nothing to do with medicine, but I just thought, you know, I, I kept thinking about it and I was like, wow, there's a lesson here. <laughs> of course, it turns out that there were several lessons here. And I want to share, I'm going to share the lessons that come to me from that space. So, so I think I would title that story, How I Became a Guardian Over Scarcity. I mean, to be honest, it was a full sense of scarcity, right? It's a small building. There are a lot of people there, but there are overflow rooms as well. So if the person didn't get a seat in that hall, there was going to be a seat elsewhere. But all of a sudden, <laughs> I became guardian of a seat in a situation that was about to become really hard. And when she sat down, this lady, and secured a commitment from me, she knew, she knew that it was going to be a fight over those seats. But I was, a, I was a newbie. I was a novice. I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea that it was going to be that tough. But she, she understood. She knew the job that she was committing me to. And I had no idea. And to be honest, I had like these weird feelings about it. I was like, there's something wrong here. But I just naively accepted the job. I signed up for the job. And I didn't have a clue what I was signing up for. So how does this relate to academic medicine? Well, what's important is that sometimes people ask us to do things and they understand the implications of what they're asking us to do. And we, in our joy and desire to please people or to be helpful, take on roles without fully understanding the implication of these roles. Okay, I mean, say it again. People who ask us to take on tasks, for example, they're like, hey, come be director of this program. It'll be so great. They have a full understanding of what it takes to succeed in that role. And somehow we don't. But we think, oh, well, this person looks friendly. This person looks like a nice person. They must have my best interest at heart, I hope. But we don't fully understand the role. We have this weird feeling inside that something is off but we don't pay attention to that. And we sign on to a role we don't understand. And so I want to share that if we don't have information, we should not accept a new role. I didn't have enough information and I had a sense that something was wrong, yet I still said yes. And it finally became clear to me what I had signed up for but by then she was gone. I signed up for something I didn't understand. That's the first lesson that comes to me. I shouldn't have done that. I should have fully understood. And if I had understood that I was literally going to leave the conference I came for and be fighting with people over seats, I may have made a different decision. But all I thought was, it's just a chair. It can't be a big deal. Oh, it's just two chairs. But I didn't understand. And... That was on me. I signed up for it. 
something I didn't understand. I had the opportunity to ask questions and I didn't. Number two is that I was committed to a job that I didn't understand. I mean, I committed to it. It didn't make sense to me. I committed to it. And there I was fighting with people over this chair. And it was like, <laughs> I don't even own this chair. I don't even, I don't even know this woman. But I was committed. I made this commitment. She had looked me in the eye and I had connected with her. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. She asked me three times. She secured my commitment. And I went ahead and committed. But I didn't come to that conference for that. I didn't come to the conference for her. I didn't come to the conference to guard her chair. I don't even know her from Adam. If I was like keeping the chair for my family member, sure. I didn't even know her. I made a commitment. And even though I came for the conference, I couldn't enjoy the conference because I was so busy fighting with people, I was still committed. I was like, I committed to protecting these chairs. I committed. A foolish commitment. <laughs> a foolish commitment. But I felt like I was committed and I had no choice but to keep fighting. And it wasn't even me. I don't fight with people over chairs. It's not what I do. But there I was fighting because I was like, I've made a commitment. And in a sense, I had made a foolish commitment. And I could have undone the commitment. I could have said, no, this is a foolish commitment. I don't have to keep this foolish commitment. But instead, I just was like a tenacious bulldog holding on to a commitment that I couldn't even understand. Several times during that program, I kept saying, why am I doing this? I'm, I don't fight with people. Why am I fighting over this chair and someone I don't even know? <laughs> I was committed. And I could have uncommitted myself. But I was, I, I kind of just committed to a path that I hadn't understood at first. And I had the opportunity to reverse the commitment, but I didn't do it. And then number three, I took somebody else's priorities as my own. I was just visiting. I was from out of town. I didn't understand the situation of seating. Somebody asked me to keep a seat. That was her priority. Keeping a seat was her priority. It wasn't a priority for me. I mean, we knew that we needed to come early so we could secure our own seats. And we, we did that. That was my priority was coming and enjoying the conference. But all of a sudden, somebody else's priorities were gifted to me and I took them on and I made them my own. And I started to fight for them as if they were my own, but they were not my own. Number one, none of us owned the seats. I mean, this woman, even though she was part of the, the, the you know, I mean, I think she, she came often enough so she knew what was going to happen. But none of us owned the seating. And yet I, I took her priorities on as my own. Okay, so how do I bring this back to academic medicine? In academia, People are going to ask us to do things. And every time they ask us to do things, we have to ask, tell me more. Give me more information. How come there's nobody else in this role? What happened to the last person who took the role? Hmm, what made them quit? What could have been done differently? We have opportunity to ask questions so that we can understand. Because it doesn't mean we won't take the job. We may still understand all the problems and then say, okay, okay, well, I sign on knowing that I'm going to be fighting with ushers throughout the evening. If I, if I knew that was happening, I wouldn't have signed on for it. But at least I would have given myself an opportunity to understand everything that was involved. And so I'm responsible to ask questions that help me understand whether I'm prepared to take on all the responsibilities of the role. And then sometimes we make commitments that 
okay, when we first made the commitment, it made sense to us. At least it didn't feel like that big a commitment. But as the commitment unfolds and it doesn't seem tenable and it doesn't align with who we are as people, we do have an obligation to say, hey, I made a commitment to something I didn't understand. I'm going to renegotiate this commitment. And I had the opportunity to do that. And I could have just said to the ushers, hey, this woman is going to come and eat a seat and maybe you all can sort it out. And that was their job. Like I took on a job that wasn't even mine. But I could have uncommitted myself. And for some reason, I, I, I thought not to do that. And the last thing is just that, you know, in our institutions, there are many challenges. And sometimes people make up priorities and make them yours. It's like, here, you take this priority, you run with it. And you have to decide, do I want to own this priority as mine? Or do I want to let the person find somebody else who can take on their priorities? And so I want to invite you to think carefully before making commitments and to recognize that commitments can be unmade. You can negotiate out of a commitment. And it's okay to do that. So what are the things that I'm calling you to do? Well, I'm asking you not to be like me. I want you to investigate before you say yes. Never say yes without a full investigation, without asking questions, without really understanding what you're saying yes to. Because every time you say yes, you're saying no as well. They're two sides of the same coin. You say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. You want to understand what you're saying no to so that you can be very clear that this is a choice you're making. If I had understood that saying yes to this guardianship position would mean I missed out on a conference I had come to enjoy, I would have made a different decision. So please, investigate before you say yes. Number two, if things are not what they seem, please renegotiate. Don't, don't stay committed for the long haul to something that's pulling you down, dragging you down, to something you didn't realize was going to be part of what you committed to. For example, you committed to this new role that all of a sudden puts you in conflict with your colleagues and now you're like the enforcer and that's not who you want to be. Say, hey, when I took on this role, I didn't realize that I was going to be fighting with faculty members. I, I don't think this is consistent with who I am. How can we find a different role that is more consistent with who I am? And so if things are not what they seem, renegotiate. And then the third thing I want to invite you to do is to please decide to live your journey joyfully. I took on a role and I didn't have joy just trying to do what somebody else had asked me to do. But the moment you find out in your life that you're doing something and there's not joy in it, ask yourself if this is a space in which you want to remain. Don't do things that don't bring you joy. And there is opportunity potentially to find the joy in it and before you quit, look for the joy. But if you're finding yourself upset all the time, mad all the time, angry all the time, it might be an opportunity to say, hey, I choose to live my journey joyfully. What does it take to go back to the joy that helps me live in a way that feels consistent with who I am? Decide to live your journey joyfully. And everything that comes to make you crabby and angry and mad, reject it, reject it, reject it. <laughs> and don't accept the trinkets they give you. Don't accept the little 
compensation they give you. I once took on call, a, a, you know, it was voluntary call for $100 a night. That's 12 hours. <laughs> really not very well compensated. And it wasn't worth the sacrifice of my joy. I finally let it go. But it is important to decide to live your journey joyfully. And anything that happens to remove joy, no matter what they give you in exchange for it, don't accept it. Don't accept it. All right. So I would encourage you, women of color in hematology, that no matter how hard the road is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And some of that takes stopping and recognizing, wait, who am I? Have I lost my sense of self? And just going back to the beginning, back to the joyous, vibrant person that you've always known yourself to be. All right, I invite you to that space this week. And if this episode has been a blessing to you, please share it with someone else. And I look forward to talking with you again the next time.